Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week, I am joined here by two people in Kansas City. So this is really excited. Dwayne is here. Yep, and then we're joined with uh, UWS Weekly host and social media manager, communications manager, he does it all for UWS, Jonathan Ward. What's going on, boys? How are you? Man, what a week we've had. There's been... It's just, only been two days. It's it, only been two days. I've been here longer than you guys, though. I, uh, I had to get here early because we had a, a couple things to get ready for for our AGM uh, that starts off off today, man. I'm excited. That's, that's right. That is today. The AGM, the UWS AGM is, is uh, tonight. We're excited for that. Not only that, we're, I mean, Jonathan, you're here for like an exclusive announcement. Uh, so we've been talking about this for the last uh, little bit. Uh, but this week we're announcing two two new players to the Diamonds. So two new players to the Delaware Union Diamonds. One player that if you um, have been around Delaware Union in general, you will recognize the name. And another player that I, we are really excited to have on. So first, we're bringing in Paxton McGinnity, um, who is uh, from Delaware, used to play at Delaware Union, now plays at Eastern uh, University. So we're really excited to have uh, Paxton on with us. Uh, she's going to be she's going to be a, be a player that's going to be able to play multiple positions for us. She's a player with a lot of experience, uh, has a college season under her belt already. So it's uh, we're excited to have Paxton Paxton for the Diamonds. And she's from the school of Dan Simmons. Yeah, Got to right. shout out Dan Simmons for po- that one. Polytech grad. Uh, so we're we're excited to have Paxton. Dan, Dan always finds a way to get his name into something around yes, here. Absolutely. Uh, and then we're also happy to announce Maddie McDonald is also going to be joining us. Uh, Maddie is a senior from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, plays at Sporting Delaware, and is already committed to Mount St. Mary's for next year. Yeah, excited to have Maddie. She was at our tryout. Um, definitely a high-level player, so we're excited to add her, and I think she's going to help the team improve tremendously with her um, just her high-level play. Like She came in with a high soccer IQ, and I yep. think should be able to just you know continue to drive us forward on our path. Yeah, Maddie's gonna bring a lot of strength into the middle of the field for us. Play uh, play two or three different spots in the middle of the field. Uh, so it'll be really exciting to have Maddie with us. Uh, she's she's been excited about the idea of playing the diamonds. And then uh, we got we got other announcements. We got other players coming in, but not, we we're gonna wait. We're gonna hold off to till next week to announce those. And if we didn't announce your name and you would intend on playing with the diamonds, I mean, you gotta let us know, right? That's right. You gotta, you gotta lock. We'll lock you in, but got you gotta let us know. In. Get it locked in now. That's right. Follow us on on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook at DE Union Diamonds. And of course, the Delaware Union social medias as well uh, on Facebook at Delaware Union, on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer, on Twitter at DE Union Soccer, and of course, the podcast Instagram at DE Soccer Podcast. The Soccer Podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess another club update is our rec registrations open. I don't know if we announced that last week. Did we announce that last we week? We did. We did. We did announce that last week. Well, we're announcing it again. Rec registration okay. is open. That's right. Go sign up for rec registration or discovery. Jonathan, you wanna you wanna coach rec in Delaware? Uh, no, I'm in California, man. This is this has been difficult. Uh, I left 60 degree weather and we got back to got back from uh, from an evening out at minus two. Do you realize what that does to a kid from California? My eyeballs were shut closed because they were frosted over, man, and my beard almost fell out. You know, this is why I still continue to wear my mask outside because if not, I used to tell my parents before they lived in Delaware, when they lived in Florida, they're like, how do you, you know, like, what's the difference between, you know, 30 degrees and 18 degrees? 
and my response is when I can feel my nose hairs. This is facts. This like, is facts. If you can feel your nose hairs, it's too cold. It, too cold and, and look, man, I'm, I'm a California kid. I showed up in a tank top and, and beach shorts and <laughs> coming here, everybody thought I was crazy. But I didn't wear a mask. I, I tried to show that I was like a local. Oh, you just... You I, just I tried to pull off the local look. And, no, I'm, and I'm, I'm cold, man. Even I'm the locals cold. are bundled up more than I am. <laughs> Sebastian's usually one out in shorts. I'm surprised you got pants on, man. You're usually out here coaching in shorts in this kind of weather. I Listen, I went to a grocery store this morning, and there's a guy that went in there in shorts in a parka. And shorts in a parka. <laughs> shorts in a parka. But you know he had the seat heaters on because his, his lower back was cold. No, he so. was walking. Oh. He, he came in walking. So he, he had shorts and a parka on. <laughs> Uh, That's dedication. That's that dedication. is that is that it takes a different <laughs> level of a dedication. I don't know. I only know one other person that's crazier than I am with shorts, and that's Jeff Cameron. Yeah, uh, he's always got shorts on. He's always got shorts on and a hoodie. He doesn't care. As soon as it dip, dips below sixty, you know I got my pants on. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're. I mean today. So we we have an interview today. Uh, with that it's already been recorded. Uh, We've got a lot of interviews. We had a lot of interviews, so we got we got to space them all out. So the first interview we're going to give out today, or we're going to put out today, is the one that I did with uh, Dr. Tiff Jones. Uh, she talked about mental health, mental toughness, and the importance of it. So that'll come on right now. So we're here with Dr. Tiff Jones. She is the owner and president of X Factor Performance Consulting, and she's also a per- mental performance coach. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you, Sebastian. You too. How are you? I'm fantastic. Good. We're we're excited to be here. Uh, I know we haven't been here in like two years, mm-hmm. but you've been a long time presenter of the convention. So, uh, how is uh, how excited are you for this weekend? Well, we haven't been here in uh, over like about two years, so um, you can feel the energy. It's just awesome to be back in person um, and to work with these great coaches that give so much back to the game and so much back to athletes and kids. Awesome. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the two sessions you're presenting uh, today. You have one that's understanding and managing team performance, anxiety, and stress. Mm-hmm. What is that? Well, so many coaches, um, especially because of the pandemic, I think more athletes on both the men, women's side, uh, boys and girls are willing to uh, talk about that they're stressed or overwhelmed or they're in their heads. And so coaches are like, "What do I do? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor." Um, though I have to play one a lot of times. And so it's really giving them the tools. It's things I've been learning over the last um, two years. I've been taking uh, Deepak Chopra's coaching certification course, um, really learning and diving into where is the stress and anxiety coming from. We're only supposed to feel it if we're under bodily physical threat. We're only in our world, in most places in our country, 99.9% of the time we are not under bodily physical threat, yet we physiologically feel the the fight flight freeze kind of reaction in our body and so why is that and it's something called a reactive response and the reactive response is an emotional threat it's a psychological threat and so it's getting coaches to understand the why their athletes or themselves are feeling these things and how to ask the right questions providing provide the skills to the athletes so that they can start to work through and be more aware of where that feeling is coming from because our stress if it's psychological is coming from our thoughts and we need to care about that as coaches because it changes the athletes biomechanics their ability to move on the soccer field and their ability to think on the soccer field do you think so you you played college soccer yes I did do you think that um, over the years that that's been one of the biggest changes in the soccer or sports world the idea of understanding the why 
players do what they do and why at times they might not be able to perform. You think that's been one of the biggest changes? And that's also, having said that, also where we've learned the least. Yes, um, and that's why this has been the greatest growth in my career, um, it, it, personally, as a human. Um, and then having, being able to show more grace, kindness, compassion. I mean, I was a rager, you know? I'd be like, suck it up. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Don't think that. Um, and they know they're not supposed to be thinking it. And for me personally, it is asking more questions. It is giving a space where there's silence sometimes so that they can think through it. It doesn't matter if we know as coaches. Right. And we all, we don't know. I say we might know 90% because we can see the behavior or the play of our athlete isn't what we would like. So we know something's going on in their heads. And the coaches I find go, I know exactly what they're thinking. I'm like, you do? Because I don't even know if they're aware of what they're thinking. And that's the first step. And so it's really becoming, as a coach, a great question asker and having a lot of patience to say, what are you thinking and feeling right now? And it's okay no matter what the answer is. It's gonna unlock. You are, I see the door. I see the lock, I have a keychain of a thousand keys, and yet the one key I need, only the athlete has to unlock that door. So we might know 90%, but we need that 10% that only the athlete knows, or maybe needs to become aware of, that can really help us help that athlete or our teams. It's really interesting. Um, well, I'm hoping, I'm, I, I'm saving a question for, I think, for the after. So, developing and training the foundation skills for mental toughness. Yes. Talk so, about that. Because then I have, I think I'm, I'm going to be able to ask the next question after that. So I've done on-field sessions like yep. this, um, and now I have more kind of of the science behind it and the tools, other ideas. But it's how do you uh, create practices or training environment that are psychologically and physiologically as similar as we can get to a game. We're never going to be able to recreate an actual game because we see, we see the other team, we see we're wearing our game day uniforms, we see all the, re the referees, we, we can't help but we know something from our senses that this is different. Yeah. Well, we need to recreate as much as we can that. We need to narrow the gap because our athletes are training in a mindset in one way, a physiological and psychological state in training, and then they get to a game and we're like, what the heck happened? Well, because their senses are picking up, this is vastly different. And so that whole, the thoughts start to go to, well, what if we lose? What if I make a mistake? What if I don't start? What if I get taken off the field? What if my coaches and parents and teammates are disappointed in me? And those what ifs create fear. That's what happens. So now, you know, they're trying to play this game that they love or hopefully love in a state of fear. You can't find joy, freedom, you know, play free, find your zone, all that kind of stuff that we talk about. Um, in a state of fear. So we have to create that zone or that mentality or that experience for them in practices so that we can narrow the gap. And um, that's what I love. That's why I love going and watching training with all the different sports. It's why I can pull from a gymnastics practice and help soccer coaches maybe take some tools that the gymnasts use and imp implement. Um, and so that's what that session is. It's giving a little bit more of the science and it's giving the coaches ideas on how do you not reinvent the wheel. You do the same drills, you do the, but maybe different order. And then you throw the twist. Is it blaring Slipknot? The whole practice, which creates like eventually. That would be, I would be down for that practice. I'm, I might actually do that. All right. Or classical music, yeah. where they have to bring the energy. Yeah. But the key then is you have to have some debrief. Right. I don't care if it's two or three minutes, but like there needs to be debrief of guys. What were, you know, what were you thinking, feeling? Right. 
uh, what what changed? Did you feel in your body? I'm really this last year been going go to your body. Your body's gonna tell you what's going on in your head, and I don't need you raising your hand in the middle of a practice or game going, coach. There's no saber-toothed tiger. I'm not under physical bodily threat. Clearly, this is an emotional threat. Come help me figure out my emotional threat. So I always say, let's cool the body. So learning how, so it's giving these tools, how do we cool the body to cool the mind? Because you ask an athlete, if your body feels better, how do you feel? They're like, better. And I'm like, and if you feel better, how do you play? Better. And if you play better, you feel even better. And I'm like, there you go, fix the problem. <laughs> there you yeah. go, now everything's solved. So it's giving the tools of when an athlete is to be more aware of what they're feeling in their body, be okay with it, accept it, and now what? And give them the tools um, right. to do that. Well, and that, that it, oh, perfect. It, I can't ask the question I was looking for. So this word, and we've, we've talked about this this word in the podcast yeah. for for the entire year and a half that we've that we've been on. Yeah. It's the word vulnerability. Yep. How, how strong is that word and how scary is that word at times for, for student athletes? So mental toughness, the foundation, you can't jump this, is to be self-aware. You have to have the awareness. So we have to help athletes, give them the tools of how to become more self-aware. And then they have to be brave enough to be vulnerable with themselves. Um, and then they have to be brave enough to be vulnerable with the, to the people that can actually help them. Yeah. Um, it starts with the coaches. Yep. I can get athletes to become more aware, but the number of athletes, I, I can't tell that to coach. Right. Um, I'm very blessed because I get to work with coaches now and choose. Like if I can't get the coaches on board, I can't work with the team. Um, I'm going to do a disservice to both parties. Yeah. Um, and so it's explaining to the coaches why that actually toughness, the mental toughness is being vulnerable. Um, and the coaches have to start being vulnerable um, and they have to start to share. Um, and so I have athletes and coaches write ruts, which are raw and filtered thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it's when they are feeling before practices or games, um, they are feeling that tension. It's go write a rut and then share it with me. But a coach has got to write a rut first. They've got to show like, I'm going to be, and I always tell coaches, that doesn't mean you have to share what you don't want to share. Right. And the athletes are just pumped that you're sharing something. Coach is like, you really, I really am going to tell them every, I'm like, you, I don't think they care about your marriage. Like you don't need to go into yeah, yeah, like marital yeah. issues and you can. Um, and so the coaches who have written rut shared them with their teams really gives permission for their teams to say, we can be vulnerable. Like this is, this isn't a joke. It's not going to hurt my playing time. It's not going to hurt my status on the team. Yeah. And that's the key is that if an athlete shares and is vulnerable, there should be no negative consequences to that. Right. Um, if, you, if there are, you'll, no one will ever be vulnerable again with you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that. Uh, so I had a moment with one of my teams where I, uh, I shared that because they're always they're, they they realize that they know that I show up early. I'm yeah. always prepared. I'm always yeah. constantly like communicating things like that. And then like, oh, that must have been you as a player. And I was like, nope. Uh -huh. I was like, no, I was the complete opposite as a player. As a player, I was angry. I used to get into arguments with my teammates. I didn't yeah. like to practice. I, yeah. They're like, no way. I was like, yeah, that's I was like, I am not the example as a player. I'm yeah. an example of what potentially not to do. <laughs> I, but um, so it's interesting you bring that up because I think so. At what at what age do you think these conversations and these these this the the stop process mm -hmm. can start? So I have done this with ten year olds. Um, I've done it with a couple eight year olds. You speak like language is a little different. Yeah. How you teach the concepts, of course, should be different. Um, and it's in snippets. Obviously, the younger, really, it's snippets. Even at the college level, you get about a text message uh, worth of info you can give to someone. Um, 
But I, I think it's, again, when I'm teaching this new stuff to my athletes over this last maybe six, seven months, they'll, and, the, and the coaches all say the same thing, why are we not learning this when we're 10? And overseas in some Eastern countries, they do teach this in school. Right. And that's why I find that other, other countries are, do have joy, have more purpose, have less, don't socially compare as much, right? Are into the materialistic things, and they really are joy. And so I keep going back to the coaches and like and to the athletes is, how about we go back and be six-year-olds? Let's have a six-year-old mentality. Think about it. Six-year-olds don't go and try to have fun. They, they just, just have, have fun. fun. Yeah. Uh, they don't try to uh, avoid mistakes. They're making mistakes all over the playground or pickup games, right? If they're just off on their own playing. They give honest feedback and receive it. Dude, that sucked. Not that that's yeah. like helpful. And the kid's like, yeah, I did. All right, man, let's go. Like six-year-olds have joy. They get in the car. They might have missed 100 shots, and they talk about the one they made. And now think about our, as they turn the corner. Now they make 100, miss one, and they get in the car and talk about the one they missed. They're in a constant state of fear because there's no expectations right. at six. Expectations creates the what ifs. The what ifs create the fear. And again, like that's what's happening. So the more that the coaches can be aware of this and how do I create an atmosphere um, that, with my language, because what I say and what I do matters, right? So I can't get upset when there's a mistake and throw my hands in the air mm -hmm. because the athletes are like, I thought you said mistakes are learning and now you're pissed at me because I made a mistake, right? So again, it's like, I want, they're not gonna, when you get older, your body doesn't feel like six anymore. But you can have a six-year-old mindset anytime you want because your body doesn't know if it's in your grandma's backyard playing, playing with your friends, playing in a practice, playing in a national championship game. Yeah. It's our heads that tell our body different. Yeah. So if our heads are like thinking like six-year-olds, imagine how our players would play. So again, the earlier we can get and teach the skills, right, the less bad habits are developed. Yeah. And once a bad habit's developed, it's always there. You have to override it with a better habit. Um, so yeah, I say, man, if we could teach 10 year olds this, but start having conversations with our kids early, um, we would be a healthier, happier sports would you be joy again, you know? Um, and that's really what I'm trying to get back to is have a six year old mentality. Listen, I, uh, I, I coached a under 23 women's team this summer and I got home and my daughter asked me how it went uh -huh. and I said it was okay and she asked me did you win and I said no we didn't and she said well you just gotta try again if you don't try again you're not gonna yeah you know and I just like stared at her and she's four years old yes and I just stared at her and I said wait can you say that again and I filmed her yeah and she's like you just have to try again yeah and I and I went and showed it to my players and I was like see like that's what we want like yeah. just try it, it's mistakes are probably the the one thing that you never want to admit to doing but the one thing you need to do in order to learn right but that's the thing but we're missing those puzzle pieces because we get really upset and live in the past yeah. with our mistakes and don't take that piece then you ask athletes why did you play well they'll be like I don't know I was on cloud nine I was feeling it well, how are we replicating that? There are things that you did today that were in your control that allowed you to play well. So we're missing both puzzle pieces. So I'm almost asking more of like, that was great, why? And they gotta give me something besides, I don't know, and uh, you know, and they'll look at you and I'm like, well, you're great at telling me why you sucked. Right. You're great at telling me all your mistakes. So we're losing those puzzle pieces because you're not telling me what did you learn and how are you gonna adapt? And then the puzzle pieces from the good, we're not getting those either. And so why is there not growth? Well, because we're living in this mistake world 
not using it for what it is, which is just an opportunity to adapt and get a piece of information. And then we're not capturing why we played well. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a strong point. All right. So before we wrap up, um, so uh, I, was, I was at one of the sessions, the field sessions you did. I, I can't remember if it was in Philly or, or in Baltimore. But, and, and I think about this session on a constant basis. Yeah. And, I, and I want you to, because I feel like I've, I've forgotten parts of it, so mm-hmm. I wanna, I want, if I get it on record, then I can just go back to it. But yeah. you did a session where you were playing like 4v4 or something like yeah. that. It was multiple teams, and then you would bring the team in, and you had to tell, you told the teams that they had to kick somebody out. Oh, the cut game, yeah. Yeah, all right, so can you, can you go through it, and can you just briefly like, because I, I think it's a really cool activity. Yep. Um, it's an activity that that at times like puts players on edge, which yep. I think it's a good thing. That's what it's, it's, it's for lots of things. And coaches get nervous with it um, because, especially youth coaches, yep. because they're worried like, what are the kids? Well, you gotta explain, not explain what's gonna about to happen, but you have to do a really long debrief afterwards. Okay, so this isn't, you wanna use half of the practice for this and the other half is just sitting and talking through things. And you can video it and then use some video and have them, use uh, stimulated recall where they are watching and telling you what they were feeling and thinking. But what it is is you have a team, you have multiple teams, and um, you pull, you have the, each team figure out who the captain of that team is gonna be, and they can pick it in any way that you wanna capture. Because how they're picking this really important leader or captain of their team is part of it. And you wanna hear it, some people are like, it's just, uh, they start doing rock, paper, scissors, they might, no one else wants to do it, so I'll do it. They might just say, well, the older is gonna do it. So there's really neat things just even in that. And then they go and they play a small side game. Um, and then they come back, I pull the captains in, and I'm like, you have to go back to your team and you're gonna cut, it depends how big the team is, but you're gonna have to cut one or two people. Um, you can't tell them why you're cutting them, all you can say is that they're cut, and then they're, the players that you cut have to come to me. And the face, the looks, right, that you get, especially depending on the age. Listen, I'm telling you right now, 10 year olds, the best at this. Oh yeah, because they don't care. They, they just wanna, they wanna win, they're gonna <laughs> yeah. make their team better, and like, let's just yeah. do it. And they are, and they're just, here we go. Yeah. Um, goalies are involved, but they should be feet. Like we're not gonna have goalkeepers. Like yep. so, yeah, they're field players, and then it really pushes the importance of goalkeepers learning better foot skills, right? So anyway, they come in. Then the teams repick the players. You can't choose someone you just cut. So now you're repicking, and now you have this new team, and you want to see how quickly can you adapt? Are you learning? Why did you pick? Like afterwards, you're gonna say, why did you pick? Was there strategy? Were they freaking out and in their heads and weren't even thinking about strategy? So you can start to figure out how tactical are my teams? Um, is there someone that's not a captain who's actually a really good captain? Yeah. Um, and they go back and play and then they come back and you know, they're gonna pull the captains over. They go back, you have to cut another one or two people. And, but this time you're gonna tell them why they're being cut. So it starts to give you info on are you good at identifying and being honest about why you're cutting them. Um, do you not know? Is it a is it a social-like kind of thing? Is it not to ruffle feathers? Like what, and you wanna hear what the reasons are. And then you have those players who are cut say to the group what their reason was that they were given. And some of them like, actually I didn't, give, got, didn't get a reason or uh, they said I'm too slow or I need to be faster. <laughs> you know, like things like that, which isn't helpful. But, maybe you do have to be faster, but is that really why yeah. you cut them? Um, so anyway, and then you maybe do one more round. You know, they're repicked. You do another round. They come back, and like you have a cut again. Um, why you were cut, and then something—a correction—that's in their control. So how could they 
adapter adjust their play the next time and then you just play another final game um, and then you got to bring it in and there's just so many questions and as a coach you're just asking questions if a kid was cut multiple times ask them what they're thinking and feeling you, st you can always start with the captains and what their experience was like for them then you can ask the team what was it like not to have control on, on decisions and who was going to be on your team did you think your captains made good decisions why so you don't want to do yes and no questions open-ended questions um, and just keep asking the questions and you can take notes as a coach um, I would hold off giving any of your analysis yeah. until the end let them really process but you'll be able to see if your team's in a good spot you keep debriefing and then you can interject the whys so how does this apply why did we do this activity what did we learn from this session what were the challenges that are similar to what we experience in a game like help connect the dots and if you do that, I've never had an issue. Not even me. I've seen other coaches. I've just been there watching them do it. And if they do a really good debrief, you're good. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, there could be kids getting in the car. <laughs> you're getting emails on the way home. Yeah. And you can also tell the parents what you're going to do. Right. So there is a, I think I have a template where it's a letter to the parents yeah. or an email to the parents letting them know that their athletes are going to be going through a very challenging activity. And this is why you're doing it and what you're going to get out of it. Um, and then if it's a youth team and the, coach, the parents have questions, they can ask. But I t if you do that on the front end, yeah. it, it's, you're good. But you got to explain the why. That's another thing is explain the freaking why. You don't want them having to guess because the kids are going to create stories in their own heads. Yeah. Parents are going to create stories in their own heads. And so cut it off of the past and just tell them this is why we're doing it. These are the skills we're developing and how they're going to help your child or your athlete. Um, as they progress in their career and when they're in games. Well, and I think ultimately it goes back to the idea of of giving a little bit more of the game back to the players, yep. right? So they're they're in charge of, of certain actions mm -hmm. and they're in charge of emotions at that yeah. moment, right? It's not guided by us. It's not guided by fear of, well, I have to answer what coach wants to hear, right? Right, like because it's it's all depending on them yes. at that point. That's yeah. why, and I've I've I've, uh, I've I've done the activity before, mm -hmm. and I did it with the team that I, I had for a long time. And the first time we did it, it became that that team was very socially driven, yeah, not results or, or mm -hmm. performance. Like there was there was very little of that. So it was all about like being just being friends, and mm -hmm. they wanted to they just liked each other. So yeah. that was that became really hard for them to yeah yeah at that point. Um, well, thank you so much for stopping by today. We, we really appreciate it. You are our first guest oh. of the United Soccer Coaches Convention on the podcast show. So you are our very first guest. Awesome. So we, we really appreciate it. We hope you have a great, great two sessions this weekend. And uh, best of luck in 2022. All right. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks for all you do for all the coaches. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We're back. Uh, I mean, doing we can talk about the AFCON, but I feel like we would be doing ourselves a disservice uh to to not to talk not talk about the fact that we're in kansas city we're at the convention uh we we we've interviewed a bunch of people uh i got run to run into a bunch of people yes yeah. we we ran into a lot of people a lot of people uh, from delaware yeah a lot of people from delaware we're actually locals here uh delaware everybody from delaware is in kansas city or or something to do with delaware like what who are the guys from northern iowa last night yes northern iowa college or something like that we ran into again School of Dan Simmons. We ran into a player, or ran into a coach of a player from the Dan Simmons tree, um, Josh Winfield. Yeah, that's right. So finishing up his season, I think he's going to go back one more year for to be a super senior in Northern Iowa. But yeah, just connecting with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, man. I mean, we ran into well, I ran into Kylie Shannon's 
assistant coach on the street. Um, you know, Wayne Cox stopped by, Tom Antonelli. So, you know, it's a great networking event. Um, it's awesome. Good to meet new people. You know, finally to meet Jonathan in person. You know, it's great to be on Podcast Row, see all these other podcasts being recorded around us. You know, see all these people coming in. You know, get to talk about the priest, Lou, Lou Atkinson. That's his new nickname now, by the way. Are you going to call him the priest? The priest. But we're in Kansas City. There's only one priest in Kansas City. That's Priest Holmes. Ooh. Priest so you got a good player. You got to you got to change that up, man. We're, we're I know we're talking we're on a we're on a football podcast, but we're talking American we're not football. Talk about the Chiefs. Oh, I was gonna say I have no idea what that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, number thirty-one, good running back. Chris yeah, Holmes. I don't, I don't, he's I, pretty good. I don't know. He dabbled in greatness. I I know zero Chiefs though. I know zero about football. That's okay. That's zero. okay. But you know football. I know the other football. Hey, let's just talk real quick about how I dominated your game yesterday. Uh, the uh, abbreviations. Can we just go? Can we? Can we? You dominated in a league that's got like ten teams. Eighty-five percent possession, no fouls. With ten teams, like, come on, man. Yeah, hey. Jonathan Ward. You know, using his tactical sense to score goals. Um, Listen, that's like that's like me going out there and trying to play this game with the Argentinian league. Like, <laughs> like there's, there's, there's zero chance I'm I'm not winning. Uh, which I guess we could play. I mean, you could take charge of the computer, and I could I could sit on the other side, and we could maybe do that. Let me we'll, see if Jonathan can name a player on every MLS team in the country. Like I'm uh, out. Brooks and I play. I'm out. I, Fields. No, Fields. Sorry. I, I, I could I could game. probably do a better job of naming UWS players, but uh, you give me you give me MLS, and I'm out. I'm sorry. Exactly. I, I don't pay enough attention to uh, to that entity. Well, let's let's talk about the UWS though. Let's talk about the fact that you guys were at the exhibit hall yesterday. How was that experience? You know, it's actually really, really unique. Uh, this is my first time being at a convention and actually being a media and exhibitor. Um, the conversations that I've had with people is, is quite amazing in that people who know about the league are very passionate about it. And people who don't know, we're passionate about wanting to learn more. And I think you're starting to see that throughout women's soccer, right? The game is starting to grow. Whether whether or not people uh, people really understand, or they look like you, look at you like you're deer in headlights, but they were very receptive and responsive uh, to what we were trying to explain to them. And I think as we grow and as we build not just a platform but advance women's soccer, it's going to get better. I mean, I don't know if you guys have had the chance. Uh, Lauren Sesselman, who was a member of the Canadian national team, won a bronze medal. She is here. And she's been talking uh, about her team. She plays for the Santa Clarita Blue Heat out in California. Uh, the team owner, Carlos, has been here and a couple of the assistant coaches. But it's been a really great event and an opportunity to learn more about people, but also people to learn about what we do. What Can you give us a little teaser about tonight, about the AGM? Oh, we got some, some big announcements coming. Uh, we've had some, some shifts in um, kind of our leadership. Uh, people have... Um, grown into different roles and, and opportunity. We'll talk a little bit about social media. We're really excited about what happened and I'll, I'll share some of that with you guys. Uh, this past year in the summer we had over 10,000 views um, through our partner, media partner, for the national championship weekend. Nice. And awesome. so that was really cool. And for probably the first time in the league's history we saw over a reach of about 200,000 people on social media. And so having that reach really creates a, a difference and you guys are really big on social media but there's a still a lot of growth that can be done oh, yeah. in that element um, because it's going to grow and, and the great thing to think about as it relates to this is that it's going to help grow our athletes um, we we look at brands and, and I'll, I'll say you guys have new balance uh, which is a great brand but you become synonymous with that brand right it's almost like product placement 
But the goal for, for UWS going forward, I think, it should be more about the teams being that brand. Yeah. And the secondary is New Balance, unfortunately, uh, for them. But I want to see our, our our league grow because with the NIL, the, the image and likeness uh, that is out there, we have a very good opportunity to seize that for our athletes and really promote them to make this something that they, they can be passionate and proud of. And so I, I hope that tonight, during that conversation with our owners and our partners, that it really takes hold and we, we see that growth in the social media world. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've been a part of the league for, for a year now and uh, you know right around this time was when I was talking to Stephanie uh, about, about coming on as, with Delaware Union and you know, we, we, well, I think we quickly, I think that was a big part of it, right? So we, we started out just Delaware Union, and then we quickly looked into this idea of like, all right, let's, let's, ex, let's expand the brand of it. Let's, let's look at, you know, obviously it's still a part of our club and it's a big part of our club, but how can we, how can we create it its own thing, right? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we took the approach that UWS guided us with, with, with creating our so- own social media for the, for the women's team. And instead of just calling it, you know, Delaware Union U23s, we went with this idea of the diamonds. So it is, it is the Delaware Union diamonds, but or just the diamonds, right? So right. it's, it's, can I play for the diamonds? Can I train with the diamonds? Can I go watch the diamonds play, right? Yeah. So it's become, and and there is a, there is, there is a tie into our community yeah. for that idea of the diamonds. So for us, that piece that you're talking about is huge. We're in the diamond state. We are. I mean, the diamond, the way that the way that the, that Middletown was charted, it was in a diamond shape, and that's that's where that comes from as well. So for us, this idea of of creating this culture and this this um, self awareness of what's important yeah. for us is huge. And a lot of people, I, I, I guess it's more of the generation, right? The younger crowd gets it, but the the people who have grown in the game don't really quite understand the element of social media, whether it's a TikTok or it's uh, Instagram lives, those play little parts in just growth. And it definitely gets people to look at your brand and it, it um, you know, in many different ways, it draws players to you as well. They're like, oh, these guys are really sharp with social media. They have their own podcast. Okay, great. Now they see that and they're like, okay, well, that's exposure. That's an opportunity for me to get to one more ear. That's an opportunity to showcase my talent, which is which is an amazing thought process. Because growing up for me back when I graduated high school many moons ago, um, we didn't have that. Yeah. You know, it was it was always we were told that uh, Division One or bust. Right. I think that was the concept. And now NAIA. Um, you know, here locally in Kansas City, Jose Ramos, uh, NAIA, played for the Comets, uh, and just around. Division two is okay. It's not. It's not a foo foo on you about playing at a at a lower level because again, it was the concept. The the idea was if you didn't play D one, you weren't playing anything, and they weren't good enough. And I think that concept, that idea, is now gone, which is a beautiful thing, and, and we'll grow this game together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know, in Delaware, you can only go D two or, or D one. You know, you can't go D three, you can't go NAI. You're D two. Not anymore. Your D two or bust. That's right. D two, D one or bust. Or you right. go, or you, you go, go hard. or you build your own platform, right? And you go to a school that allows you to have that opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, you might not want to leave Delaware. It's beautiful um, during the summer, but uh, <laughs> no, no offense. But uh, yeah, no, I think a lot of players can give. You know, this show in general can provide that platform for your athletes to get to the next level. Yeah, I think we, I think we uh, dabbled that with that with our youth club. You know, with Delaware Union, um, with the VO this year and the goals of the week and saves of the week. We just saw the exposure of you know 
you know, again, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but with the parents and the families, being able to see their grandkids and their cousins, their nephews, be able to score or nieces score goals, and then vote with on it on our Facebook page. Like we saw how much that like we got likes, we got comments, and it's just got a friendly, competitive environment. And I mean, you know, Jonathan, Sebastian, are a lot older than I am, but we didn't have that ten years ago when I graduated high school. You know, yeah. no. like to be able to go and record your goals, and you know, it's, it was all word of mouth. Like. You know, Sebastian scored this goal in high school. He scored a bicycle kick, and I did. And it was snowing, and you know, he only had his one leg I was hurt. Blacked out. You know, we, we got to live off those stories, but it's like yeah. now, it's like, hey, it's right here. Like I scored this goal. It was goal of the week. You know, I'm telling people I scored a bicycle kick in the snow in Florida. There you go. Done. There you go. <laughs> Done. I mean, if it's during the summer. I, I during the summer. Sebastian, you and I are probably close to the same age, but I don't remember being able to do that kind of stuff on the Nokia where you could change the faceplate with the battery that lit no, up, right? No. Oh, man. No, they, they did not have that. Could I you imagine if we had that technology back then for how good we were? I had Snake. You guys were real, you guys were real good back in the day, man. Oh, I was good. If you if you only had if we only had a phone to show you how good I was. Um, right, we well, had newspaper articles. But, hey, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, you know, if you... Google Dwayne Henry Jr. You go to that Vimeo video, you'll see that goal I scored. <laughs> that one goal. That one goal. That one goal. That one goal he closed uh, his eyes on. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jonathan, you're with us here, so uh, we we do we do three things there on a consistent basis with our podcast. We do a player of the match, uh, we do an on this day in soccer history, and we do a fair play of the week. So, player of the match, pretty straightforward. Um, a, a player that that you felt like stood out this week. Uh, it could be a player, it could be a coach, it could be a team, uh, it could be... Uh, they don't have to be professional, they could be, you know, it could, it could be, be anybody. It could be your own team, it could be it could your be, own player. It could be your own kids, uh, it could <laughs> be whoever whoever you want. So, uh, I'll kick it off and I'll give you a little bit of time. Uh, my player of the match uh, goes out to one play, one person and also a group of people, so it's a kind of a collective. Uh, goes out to Clarence and uh, the entire staff here at the convention center uh, because They've kept everybody in line uh, into where they were supposed to go. So uh, shout out to Clarence. Shout man. out to Clarence. Uh, uh, Actually, shout. I don't remember the guy that was here this morning, but shout shout out to that guy too. Yeah, that guy was awesome. So, so <laughs> the the guy this morning, the, the escalators to our left are going down. Everybody was racing up the escalators. I told him I won hundred dollars racing guys up the escalators. <laughs> So he, he directed everybody to our podcast table to then go to the elevator. I was like, you know, I got the key to the elevator. You got to come here, get a sticker, enter the contest, right. and then go to the elevator. So shout out to the other guy. I don't yeah. know his name. When he comes back, hopefully he comes back before we're recording, we'll get his name. That's right. All right, so that's my player of the match. Uh, Dwayne? Uh, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong, but uh, my player of the match is Steven Bergwin. Berg, Bergwin? Bergwin. Bergwin. Cool. That's how, we'll go with that. Uh, from Tottenham. Put the team on his back. Kind of nixed those uh, Ajax transfer uh, rumors that was about to go through. Or actually, it wasn't rumors. It was a deal that was really about to go through. Last 80 seconds, um, rescues Tottenham from, you know, losing points to Leicester to, Lester to uh, they get a draw. They won 3-2. They won 3-2. Right? Yeah. To get in three points. So they were down 2-1, scores two goals in 80 seconds, and they go up 3-2. And just yeah. note to all our listeners out there that are players, when you get scored on the last 30 seconds of a game, kick the ball as far forward as possible. <laughs> Please. Uh, all right, Jonathan, you got a player of the match? I'm going with a manager of the match. I'm going with uh, with one of my clubs, Manchester United. I'm going with Ralph because uh, he pulled Cristiano Ronaldo in, uh, in the match, and Cristiano Ronaldo came off and said, why don't you pull one of the younger players? Well, three minutes later, one of the younger guys scored a goal, and uh, he said to him, apparently said to him, this is, this is he said, 
to him, I pulled you off and look what happened. So, <laughs> hey, to do that to Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm not, you know, I'm not a hater of Cristiano Ronaldo, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan either. Right. Uh, so, you know, for, for Ralph to, you know, say, show his power, right? A lot of managers would have done that. A lot of managers would have kept him in the match because of his name. Yeah. And he said, nope, you're coming off. And I'm okay with that. So that's my that's my player, my manager of the match. Ronaldo, Ronaldo MLS rumors are firing up now on Twitter. Uh, they have to. They have to. <laughs> I thought he was going back Ronaldo. to Sporting Lisbon. Ronaldo uh, out. <laughs> All right. So uh, on this day in soccer history, uh, this is this was not that far away. Uh, January twenty first, two thousand and seven. Okay. So Arsenal is playing. Okay. Arsenal is playing against Manchester United. Hey, we just talked about him. Yeah, we just talked about him. All right. So, uh, at that time, uh, Robin Van Persie was playing for Arsenal. Okay. So, he comes in, scores a goal. Okay. Scores a goal. And then, because of his goal celebration, uh, he got hurt, was injured, had to be subbed out, and missed the rest of the season. Uh, and then, he would, later, he would later leave uh, Arsenal uh, and go to Manchester United. Uh, to be hated by most uh, Arsenal fans. Fields Brown's never been the same since. No, Fields Brown does not like Robin Van Persie. Um, so, yeah, so on this day in soccer history, so to all of you out there, uh, just keep your celebrations mild, uh, to say the least. I, I've, I've got one for you. We're going to go back to 2015, though, and we're going to go to, to my, my family club, Glasgow Celtic, because that's, you know, we I won that competition yesterday on your guys' show. Um, and I'm going to actually bring up a name that people probably don't know played for Celtic. It's a, a Liverpool defender. Can you boys name the Liverpool defender from Celtic? That currently plays at Currently Celtic. plays for Liverpool. I mean, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Virgil van Dijk. Vir- Virgil I, was van Dijk. Th- I was thinking Virgil. Uh, Celtic in 2015 won 4-0. Virgil van Dijk opened the scoring with just a... Brilliant header. Uh, so there you go. There's this day. Of, probably the uh, biggest day. guy in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, probably right. <laughs> By at least I probably didn't even have to jump off the ground. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, fair play of the uh, week. So Jonathan, the fair play of the week goes out to somebody who just helped out somebody else, or who just embodies the idea of fair play. Uh, again, can be can be a player, can be a coach, can be a group of people, can be an item. I don't know if you've ever had an inanimate object be a be a fair play of the week. Shout out to the chair. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll, the I'll go ahead and start though on that one. Go ahead. Let's go with the USB-C Ethernet cable that we need for the for the convention because that day, I swear, uh, Michael over here with the Union Podcast, he has uh, he's had that. And I think I borrowed that maybe 10 times this week just so I don't have to use this uh, very sketchy, spotty Wi-Fi. Uh, but that has been that has been my item of the week. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> fair play fair, item. Fair play item, <laughs> of, item the of the week. I like it. Uh, Dwayne, you got a fair play of the week? A fair play of the week. Um, you know, fair play week is going to go out to you know, just the convention, the convention staff. Um, just doing a great job here. Um, as I can't remember her name. As Aricelli. one of our Aricelli, Aricelli, Aricelli. One, of the, one of our media, one of our media um, walks by. No, just making sure we're we got everything. We're straight. You know, we got a great table. We're able to move up a little bit get from behind this wall. <laughs> um, but no, just podcast row, man. In general, it's looking good out here. It's great to just see everybody doing their thing with the in the game of soccer. So, yeah, shout out to the convention in general. Shout out to the Kansas City Convention Center. Shout out to Kansas City. I mean, everywhere I've gone has been super warm and welcoming. I don't think I've gotten one look 
It's you know, been warm maybe, except for outside. Except for outside. But, the, you know, you go out to uh, one of the local uh, watering holes, and they're very more than generous to uh, give you uh, give you a taste of a local uh, local uh, spirit, which go. has been great. Yeah, it's seeing that my team lost to Kansas City, so I'm not really happy to be here. <laughs> uh, my favorite play of the week goes out to all the podcasters that are here because, to be honest with you, this is a nerve-wracking experience to put yourself out there like this. Uh, so it's not, you know, usually most podcasts are outside of Jonathan who records himself live every week. Uh, most podcasts do happen behind uh, some sort of a screen and it's only audio for the most part. So to put yourself out there in person to, to do a lot of these interviews, it's uh, pretty pretty overwhelming or can be overwhelming, at least for me. So shout out to all the podcasters. Shout out to Luke, man. He's been over here, over to our left. He's been over here grinding it out. Shout out man. to Luke. Who has done? Who wins the record on the podcast row uh, for doing the most interviews ever? Yeah, I don't think anybody. Anybody. I don't think Luke is gonna have to record a single interview for the next three years. Uh, so uh, yeah, so shout out to Luke. See, this is when I asked that famous question: Why have I not been on your show then? <laughs> we're not. We're oh we're man, we're right next to him. We can't get on the show. Oh, we have to be able to yeah. sign up. <laughs> I didn't get on the VIP list. No, no, no. This guy's got a, he's got a list of people. You yeah, can, he's bumping people to try to get. So That's no, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Uh, well, uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on. We're excited to uh, watch you present today at the at the AGM. I hope I don't stutter and slip up, but I'm excited. It will be a great time. Lots of news coming out from UWS and UWS League 2. I can only uh, can't wait to share it on our show and then with you guys in the future as a fourth time guest. Where can we find where can we find UWS? UWS, uh, you can find us anywhere on social media, United Women's Soccer, type it into the search bar, you'll find us. UWS Weekly on the Twitter and uh, what else am I at? That's it for Twitter. And then John underscore UWS Weekly on Instagram, doing a lot of lives. Uh, and hopefully, maybe, just maybe, fingers crossed, I can I can learn how to use video and, and do a vlog about the experience here. So that's the that's the that's the next iteration of what's happening. Alright, awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us this week and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>